podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone, I'm Harry Sethi and welcome to a transfer special here on Anfield Index Pro as the Reds have finally signed a defensive midfielder with Japan captain Wataru Endo joining Liverpool out of left field after a successful period in the Bundesliga as captain of Stuttgart. Joining me on the pod to share a Bundesliga perspective on the player and what he offers on and off of the pitch and why he may prove many of the doubters wrong, I'm delighted to welcome on football writer and head of TIFO football channel for The Athletic, Seb stafford Blore. Welcome back, Seb. Thanks for having me back, Harry. Mm. Usually, usually it's a discussion about Spurs. Usually, it's a discussion about um, uh, what stage of, sort of <laughs> existential yeah. sort of uh, conflict um, <laughs> we find like, each other in, and I think Spurs are absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I'm actually I'm looking forward to that conversation as well about where Spurs find themselves, obviously, in this post post Harry Kane era now, obviously, as well. So, but um, we're not here to talk about any of that today. Um, you, you kindly sort of volunteered to come on and uh, talk about Liverpool's new signing, Wataru Endo uh, from Stuttgart. Yes. And yeah, this is an interesting one. I think we, we're going to get on to talk about the specifics of the, his, his style of play and the kind of character who he is and things like that. But I think we should start uh, by addressing... The, not the elephant in the room, but the context of where the signing is yeah, arriving in, in terms of the, the window uh, being a drastically impacted window in terms of, sort of the, the money that we've seen from the Saudi Pro League uh, and the teams are across there. And then also um, some of the inflated prices that we've seen for particular positions, in particular defence in the field, uh, the, the, the context of the Chelsea-Liverpool um, both, both attempting to sign Casado and, and Lavia, et cetera, et cetera. Different sets of fan bases owning the others online, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to ask you, I mean, outside of Endo, I mean, what have you made of this transfer window? I mean, for me, and it's not hard lines, but it's, yeah, it's become, become more, I think, distasteful than I, anyone I can remember, to be honest. Yeah, I think the word I'd use is silly. That's it. Um, I was, we were talking before we started recording and I was, I was in Munich last weekend to cover the Harry Kane transfer saga. And I think 
over the course of that weekend, obviously the Caicedo news developed and concluded with the, the story that Chelsea had agreed 115 million pound fee for him, which was very, very large. And then whilst we were there, we also, I remember, um, Manchester City and West Ham disagreeing over the value of Lucas Paqueta and West mm-hmm. Ham, um, supposedly wanting over a hundred million pounds for him. And you just think it's a transfer window has just become such a nonsense. It's become so, I, I mean, value is always, um, a fairly abstract notion. Um, just in the sense of players worth whatever someone's willing to pay for him. And then that remains true, of course, but it kind of doesn't anymore. It's kind of a player is now worth what Chelsea are willing to pay for him. Um, whichever that player may be, mm. because they want all of them. Right. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I also think it's become, I, th- I think, I think, I don't think this is a, a thing that's developed this transfer window, but I think increasingly the cult of the transfer window has provoked fans to something slightly beyond hysteria. Uh, because I, like, I'm not a fan. I'm not a Liverpool fan. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be able to look at the team dispassionately, but I look at your side and I see areas where you could probably improve. Yeah, for sure. But also you look pretty good to me. I mean, sort of good players there still and some really interesting young players coming through and, you know, um, half your team still comprises European cup winners, which is quite nice. And I don't, I, I happen to think just specifically with regards to Casado, I think he's a really good player, but I don't think he's a 150 million pound player. So I think you've kind of, you know, um, the opportunity not to spend that money on a single mm. player has opened up all kinds of, not to sound like that Peter Brand character from the Moneyball film, but it has kind of opened all sorts of exciting doors for you, perhaps. Exciting doors, yeah. No, exciting I, doors. I, yeah. Th- I think for me, it's, I mean, we, we, you, we've, we've spoken before about sort of the way in which football and the world of football has become increasingly distorted by, by different things. Um, and as, as I suppose the world has become distorted by, you know, sort of different elements, particularly sort of just how, how, um, how brazenly money is, uh, changing hands yeah. these days in, in all manner of, um, sort of society, of course. But football, football in particular is pretty shameless at, um, at the best of times. And it's become even more brazen, I think, in terms of uh, what you were mentioning there. Obviously, Chelsea, a player is what, uh, is worth what Chelsea are willing to pay. A player is <laughs> yeah. worth what, uh, Al Nassar, uh, um, or, um, variety yeah. of different Saudi teams are willing to, to pay. And then even beyond that, I think it's, yeah, I think, I think it's not, Again, not hard lines to say. A player is what uh, is worth what the, a club is willing to pay their agent as well, which has always been thus. Yeah. But I think yeah, now, yeah. even more, even more so, it seems to be. It's uh, um, yeah, very, very brazen. And it, it's funny because the window started off with you know, there's lots of links, lots of dreams about Jude Bellingham uh, linked to Liverpool, obviously. And then, it, yeah, I think everybody was pretty aware about what, what the fee for a transfer like that was going to cost. Um, so you sort of braced yourself for that. But, yeah, then he ultimately makes his decision to move to, to Real Madrid. And I'm, I'm not aware of the entire the entire package of, of, of that move. I'm sure it's um, I'm sure it's substantial anyway, but... It's quite generous. Yeah, yes. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and um, But I think one thing that definitely definitely emerged last season and sort of why I was I was more comfortable with Liverpool moving on from from, from that deal as much as uh, I admire Bellingham as a player um, it was the fact that I think it became obvious after last season that 
with the decline of a few players more than, more than perhaps we would have thought and the lack of availability of others, we needed more than one player. And so yeah. you know, spending that much money, even the Caicedo fee as well, I do wonder, had Liverpool agreed that fee with Caicedo, does anybody else come in? Like it's, it's, it's a huge amount of money to, um, to put on the table. Uh, and so actually, yeah, if, if Liverpool do end up in the situation where there's two or three bodies that come in, um, to, to improve the squad defensively, improve the balance of the squad, I think that's going to be probably better for, for the side in the end than had they put one massive chunk of money on the table for a, a staff, if you will. Are you that person who has everything? the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, well, I agree. But also, Harry, explain to me, what is it that I'm missing? Because I, I look at mm. the summer, I think. Yeah. So it's like in. Brilliant player. Great, yeah. Potentially a fabulous one. Really, really interesting, exciting footballer. Uh, McAllister in, World Cup winner. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Endo in, as of today, we're recording this yeah, mid-afternoon yeah. Friday. Um, that's terrific, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I I know Firmino's gone, Henson's gone, Fabinho's gone. Uh, I don't really care about any of those three leaving um, from a technical perspective. Like, I, I understand the social aspect of it and um, the Henson thing and all that kind of stuff. I, I get it. But from a purely footballing perspective, uh, mm. fine. I think you're, you're in credit. The three players you brought in are better or are currently better than the three players you've lost. So what is it that I, I only ask because um, this morning I was, I was looking around the old internet on Twitter. Sure. And the old internet, Christ. Um, and one of my beliefs is that Fans, it's like a competition to be, to see, to see who could be the most outraged by their club's inactivity, inertia on, on, on over the summer. And I saw, um, I saw a couple of Manchester City fans bemoaning their activity, which is what, like signing Kovacic and, um, Josko Kvaryol, who I think is arguably the best left-sided centre-half in the world. And, you th- and, and, and someone describing that as just, you know, it's just, it's just chaos. It's just chaos. So, mm. really. So, <laughs> fresh off the domestic treble, yeah. or the, the the league, the league, the FA Cup, and the European Cup, that treble, the treble, um, we found a way to to hit rock bottom. <laughs> Someone said that, did they? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've created a bit of a composite character out of the things I've seen. Sure. Sure. Um, but what am I missing at Liverpool? What's the What's the problem? And I, I, I'm not being facetious. I just don't see what No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. And actually, it goes back to the point I was making at the start around the the, uh, the distortion, right? And I think that distortion yeah. has happened not only in terms of the, the money that's being spent on the uh, by the clubs and some of the fees we've been going around and the players and the, and the sort of the level of recruitment that's that's been happening. But I think also, I mean, I think it's I think it's the anxiety that to be honest that's built up. Because of the distortion we've seen in terms of points totals that are being accumulated mm-hmm. now as well, I think certainly amongst Liverpool fans, I'm aware of this uh, this anxiety of I think you know like I think most people would would look at the the teams you've had over the past few seasons, 
Um, we're going back um, three or four seasons as well now. Um, and these are, you know, these are some of the strongest Premier League sides ever, basically, yeah. and competing on all fronts. And I think the, the near misses and the losing out to City at the highest level has certainly for online fans, I've noticed there's a, a level of hysteria, um, that is there of, well, we, you can't afford to lose, you know, like if, if you lose two or three games at the start of the season, oh, it's, all, it's already over. You know, for example, or if you don't sign this player or, or if we don't have cover for this position, we're going to get found out. There's a real, there's a real anxiety, I think, that certainly there amongst online fans for all clubs, actually. I think it's been, it's developed now, but certainly amongst Liverpool fans, amongst the, I suppose, the traditional top six mm-hmm. or whatever, um, that you have to keep up. You have to keep up. And like every, every moment that you're not, you know, active or, or doing something or bringing something in, uh, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a rock bottom. Like, what, what a terrible week. I even saw Chelsea fans, I think, um, talking about the fact that they obviously missed out on Michael Elise and, um, this week has not got necessarily, they've not signed players this week, I suppose, but from Lavia has mm. gone, has gone through as well. And I've, I've seen Chelsea fans saying, oh, this is a week to forget. And you go, well, you've just, you just spent huge amounts of money on two of the most promising defensive midfielders or number sixes in, in the world. And, um, I mean, I'd be, I'd be very happy with that. But yeah, in, in, my, in my view, like, um, the wider thing is this anxiety that, you know, everything has to be perfect to compete with the standards that City have set, for example, for Liverpool and for this side. I think what it was is, uh, what the anxiety came from. You're right. Milner departing, Fabinho departing, Henderson departing. I think Milner and Henderson certainly. I, I, I was looking at both of them and thinking, on the pitch, that's that's not that's not a, t- a huge loss at this mm-hmm. stage in their careers. Uh, and I thought that you know you, you can improve on the the output they were providing in those roles. Sobashlai, I agree, like a big a big upgrade in that role, much yeah. more natural to him. McAllister on the left side, big upgrade. I think the. The, the fear about the defensive midfielder anyway was that um, I think I mean I don't want to go too long but you, with with Fabinho uh, and with the balance Liverpool had over the years there was always a sense that there was a lot of work that was really being done by him and, and Ginny Wijnaldum and after Ginny Wijnaldum departed a lot of that work really did fall on onto one onto one player so I think that that sense of a lack of balance there has been um, felt for a while despite the incredible results, right? And I think yeah. people are still viewing it through that lens a little bit where we'll come on to talk about Endo, but when I look at that midfield now, as, you, as you're talking about as well, I look at the side, Sobeschlein and McAllister and now Endo, I mean, there's a three, even if somebody else does come in, like the, the balance of responsibility and work rate and like positional sense amongst those three is much, much better now. Like 100%. Not one person is going to be doing loads and loads of work all three of them, you think, will be doing a lot of the work together, which is what you want, yep. right, from a unit. So, yep. yeah, this is a very long window, but I, th- I, th- I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from, is that people are still viewing it through the lens of what we're competing against, which is you know, not fair, but, but Harry, also the let me jump perfect in. Like, world. I think you think you and I agree on this, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, the answer, you know, if we don't get everything right, well, we're not going to be able to compete. You're not going to be able to anyway, right? Because no. every turn, sports are entirely own perception of the team's performance of course they are but i look at what liverpool produced the last sort of five years it's kind of a miracle actually mm, yeah um 
considering the team, the manager and the, the resources that you're up against to create the team that you have done and to be able to watch it like that. I know watching something fall away a little bit is really difficult. I, I understand that. We did it with Spurs and we didn't even win anything, right? So I get it. But um, worrying about trying to keep pace with Manchester City and to a lesser extent, to a lesser extent, eventually Newcastle probably because mm-hmm. that's the way things are. You're playing the wrong game. Yeah. Like it, you can't, can't do it. Um, no, but it sort of forces you into this world of the irrational, right? It, it, it does because yeah. you, I mean, like technically you're in a competition with these teams, like on paper. <laughs> like that's the yeah, no, that's no, the no, name no. of the game, right? It's but yeah, yeah it's but yeah, I, I, I completely take your point. It's you if you buy. It's into, like it's like it, I, I live in Germany for, for people that don't know who I am, but it's like you know bemoaning. Bar Leverkusen's inability to go um, blow for blow with Bayern Munich, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. it's just not going to happen. You, you, you got to, you got to employ a different strategy. And I, I, I happen to agree with some of the things that Jamie Carragher said. I think that Liverpool's Liverpool have fallen off um, their recruiting peak from a few years ago. I think a lot of the stuff they did was much better than it is now. And there's clearly some room oh, for, sure. for yeah. well, room, room for some clarity is probably probably the word I'd use. But um, it's. I, I know listening to me say these things is probably quite depressing for people. I, I get that, but it's just the truth. You, you just, you have to, you can't be tricked. And Chelsea are another, another example. Like Chelsea, Chelsea aren't Manchester City in the kind of financial sense. They're not Newcastle because they're not owned by a state. Um, but sorry, owned by the sovereign wealth fund that Thank represents you. a state. So I should say that. Appreciate, just, appreciate that. Sure. Clarification. We, we, need, we need the degrees of separation there. Sorry about that. Um, but Chelsea are, um, you know, the, the lottery winner in the toy store and they are just, you know, they're behaving not necessarily rationally. They're just, you know, it's really compulsive. So you just can't compare mm. yourself with that stuff. And also, yeah, like you have to, as, as best you can, you just have to enjoy what you have. <laughs> it's like when, you, when your parents used to say to you when, you know, you when they picked you up from school and be like, oh, can we, can we go to McDonald's or can we go to like Happy Eating? And like, oh, no, we've got food at home. Sorry. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I do know what you're saying. And I think it's, you know, I mean, like, based upon how you engage with football now, if you, if you try and engage with some of it online, you, it's so easy to fall prey to some of these, some of these narratives and like the, yes. the, the, the hysteria that builds up. And it's actually, Chelsea is interesting to me because I think, I mean, Chelsea to me actually operate like somebody, uh, like a football fan online, actually. <laughs> to, to be honest, yeah, actually, yeah, that's a very that's a very fair comparison. Yeah, it's. I think yeah, if the director of football was some guy I've interacted with over Twitter over the past uh, however many years, I wouldn't be. I, yeah, it wouldn't massively shock me if <laughs> if that was yeah. the case. But um, yeah, no, I think I think it's it's, it's you're, you're right to bring up that point and. Uh, yeah, the, from the from the Liverpool perspective, I think the the, the anxiety was just was a very clear one, right? There was a very offensive side. Uh, we needed somebody defensive uh, to to come in and do that, and probably somebody on the younger side so you can build for the future. That's I think I think, sure. I think that was generally the the plan. So uh, even even now we, we, we will be talking about Matarando straight after this, to be honest. But even now, I'd be looking at that and thinking, okay, I imagine there's maybe one more person to come in. Just because I don't imagine a thirty-year-old is going to be expected to do everything, but maybe no. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean that, that's that, that's balance. I'm I'm fine with that. And as we've already talked about McAllister and Sobich are very different from Milner and Henderson and uh, a broken Naby Keita at the time and a um, Tiago who wasn't always available. Yeah, this is it's very different situation now. Very different lens that we should be viewing things from. But 
Yeah, let's let's move on to Watara Endo. I think it's because I yeah. think Klopp has been some of the comments from him today after the unveiling. He he spoke to what we're what we talked about so far in the pod, and you know like he sees the online chatter about football and the names flying around and this and that, and you know just just you know give a bit of patience, you know take a look. This guy is very is very capable, is very respected. Almost trying to ground people to as you're saying, you're like you know your food at home. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. in terms of, uh, Wataru Endo then, uh, I wanted to get a bit of a feel for the, the type of player that he is, um, in terms of, I yeah. guess, his, his character, which is, has come across quite clearly already. And the, yeah, the, the type of player he is on the pitch as well. I mean, in terms of his on the pitch contributions and what you've seen of him from his time at, at Stuttgart, yeah. uh, ultimately where he was captain of Stuttgart as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, what did you make of him? What what sort of player have Liverpool um, added to their ranks? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, interesting. Interesting question. So he was at Stuttgart from 2019 onwards. And um, for context, Stuttgart have had a really difficult couple of years. They've been, they fell out of the Bundesliga. Um, they won promotion back from the side of Bundesliga and they've kind of reestablished themselves gradually. Uh, they were actually in the relegation playoff last season and won it, so they stayed up. But um, I don't think it's unfair to say that had he not been in that team last season, they'd have got relegated uh, because I mean, well, they changed managers halfway through the season. I happen to think they're, they're on the road to somewhere better under Sebastian Hernes, um, nephew of Uli Hernes, who people will know. Um, but he's had to play a central piece the central role in quite a dysfunctional side, a side without, with a kind of changing identity. And because of the nature of his role, he's, he's very much a, he's a screening player, but that's not to say he's a docile one. He's a very combative, uh, aggressive, competitive ball winner. He's one of the, you know, he's the kind of guy that if you had to play against him, he'd be an absolute pain. You'd hate playing against him. Um, he's a kind of relentless footballer. That isn't to say that he's just, um, he's not a stopper in the sense of a kind of like a, an old early nineties um, English central midfielder. He, he can play a bit too. He's not Andrea Pello. He's not going to spray passes everywhere, but he is a good passer of the ball. He is technically accomplished and he can contribute in both directions. Uh, and so what you have is, um, you know, not Steven Gerrard, but a very capable number six who kind of can perform aspects of a number eight role if and when required. Mm. Uh, I think could be a really nice foil for, for, for McAllister and, and Sobberschlei. Obviously, I think both of those players have their best football ahead of them in the coming years. Definitely Sobberschlei, without question. And 
he's a really good he's 30 now uh he's a really good it it sounds a little bit like a, a you know sort of a derisory cliche but he's a very good professional uh i was i went to the german soup cup on saturday night and before that I had a conversation with Mario gomez the former Bayern munich center forward yeah who's now um he is now, I'm not sure exact job title is, but I think he's head of sport mm. at, at Red Bull. He's a former um, teammate, wasn't he, of, uh, of Endo's? Yeah, so he, he played with Endo at Stuttgart, um, and he said that he absolutely loved him. I'm kind of paraphrasing. I don't, I don't have the quotes in front of me. Um, I don't, um, haven't transcribed them, but, uh, he could not have been more effusive in his praise for him as a, as a footballer, as a man, as a professional. And this is the thing, Harry, is that, this is a very common theme. When you talk to people who've played with him or against him, they're all positive. It's unanimous, right? Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he translates perfectly into the Premier League. It doesn't mean that there isn't a big technical gap between the Bundesliga and the Premier League. There clearly is. And it doesn't mean that um, being a very important for Stutt- uh, player for Stuttgart is the same thing as uh, being vital for Liverpool. Clearly, it's not the same. And there's a, a big gap there. But the negativity is wholly misplaced around him. He is, um, and also, look, you, you know, alongside the, the players that you've signed this summer, you've got that group of, um, yeah. group of young midfielders there. Um, who's the midfielder? His name begins with B. What's he called? Um, Obatitic. Yeah, he looked great last season. Yeah. Um, and I think he's got a great future. And so someone like that, not quite ready to play 38 games in a Premier League season, but to be in a squad alongside a character like Endo, uh, that's very good news. Um, and ditto for some of the other people. I know Fabio Carvalho is at Leipzig now, so he's not quite there. And Harvey Elliott. And uh, is Tyler Morton still at Liverpool? I'm not sure if he's going to be retained in the squad. Uh, right. If this is when we go on loan. But um, no, yeah, Elliott certainly is, yeah. But there'll be others, right? There'll mm-hmm. be others who come through. And having a character like this, I think, I think one of the problems, and I think one of the, this, this endo situation has, has really highlighted this, is we've become as obsessed with the idea that when we buy a player, they've got to be, uh, they've got to have a resale value in the future. Mm-hmm. They've got to be able to develop over a six year period. We kind of lost the idea that you can just buy a player and get two or three really good years out of them. Um, and I think this is the endo situation. He probably does have two excellent, maybe three excellent years left ahead of him. And if you think about where Liverpool are in terms of their sort of transition and that this is a new team being rebuilt, certainly a new middle section of the team. Um, Firmino's gone, Mane's gone, the forward line's being re- repurposed and reimagined. Like, great signing. And, you know, we, we started this podcast by talking about how stupid some of the transfer fees are. You've got this guy for like 15 million euros or something. Like, fine, right? Um, I I like it. I, I would like it for Spurs. I think he's he's a terrific player. Um, and I get some of the snobbery towards the Bundesliga and Stuttgart, but um, just wait, wait, wait and watch him play. I would say. Yeah, I think it was the, the, you're you're echoing the the comments you've seen from from Klopp. Not that he was obviously saying any different about a new signing. Let, let, let me give you very let me give another anecdote. Like so, mm. I talked about that relegation playoffs. But they played against. Um, yeah, should I just against just one question about that? I mean, Sorry, I, I know that he helped to avoid relegation last season, but th- that was separate from the time where he scored that last minute goal to save them, right? As well, was that? Yeah, that was that was the season before. Yeah. Wow. So, so, okay, back to that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but like he, so with him, he um, in that two-legged game with Hamburg. So the first first leg of that, 
uh, Hamburg won very, very comfortably and they were by far the better side. The second leg, they came up here to Hamburg and the Volkspark, which holds a lot of people at nearly, nearly 60,000 windfalls. So it's a pretty intimidating place. Um, Hamburg got a very early goal in that game and, um, put about to sort of one three on aggregate and Stuttgart really rocked for half an hour. Like, um, it, it was possible that Hamburg could have, could have found three goals in that first half alone. The player who settled the team down that night was him. Was Endo, right? He is the guy who's a captain, so maybe that's, that's his role anyway, but he's that figure in that kind of situation who has the temperament whereby you can deal with the crisis, everyone can settle down, and then you can go back to showing how superior you are. And I felt like that was very instructive. I live in Hamburg. I was very desperate for Hamburg to go up, so it was very disappointing at the time. But looking back, you realize what an important part of that night he was, and then they're able to go and comfortably win the game. But I think it's you have to have these attributes in your side, whoever you are. You have to have, um, like, look at, look at last season's Premier League race. Okay. I, I, what happened to Arsenal when things got slightly tougher and when the pressure increased? Where were the players who were in control of that team yeah. who were able to settle them down when they somehow drop points at home to Southampton? Like, you know, or, you know, when they sort of, um, when they were when they were absolutely battered at the Etihad, they went four one worse than Manchester City over the course of last season. But on that given night, it was too much. You have to have players that can cope with stuff like this when it happens, and you can't really have enough of them. So you know, having lost Henson, having lost Milner, uh, having lost Firmino, having lost Mane the year before, lots and lots of influence being lost from that dressing room. You bring a bit more back in, which is good news, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's an interesting point when you, you mentioned Henderson and Miller there, because I think it's, it was often something that was, uh, sort of assigned to them as players, you know, in terms of their off the pitch influence and sort of just how important they were as characters. And I, I, I do believe that they, Obviously, had a great influence in the professionalism of someone like Milner, for, for example. So yeah. that's, a, that's a great standard. It's some of the things you, you mentioned there about Endo and the the standard he sets and the example for younger players. That's going to be really important. It's one of the reasons why I was I'm I'm, I'm delighted the transfer window is still open, but I think it looks like we're not going to sell anyone. Is delighted why that it looks like we're going to get one more season out of Thiago Alcantara as well. Mm-hmm. However many games we get, I think having somebody like that amongst a squad in a dressing room and on the pitch when he's when he's fit and available is is invaluable because I think you're talking there about another player who uh when you know when the tide is against you is 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 able to calm things down, has the composure, the confidence to you know, it backs himself in that situation. And it's something that I've got to be honest, I mean, maybe it was more towards the, the time when they, they declined physically, but didn't really matter if Henderson or if uh, Milner were on the pitch during those situations. They were on the pitch during those situations last season and they weren't able to uh, stem the tides in those games where Liverpool did lose control of a game, lost control of a match. Um, I think that you know, they, they'd lost the ability to be able to impose themselves in the way in which they, they used to, which is fine. You know, it happens as, as you, as you get older as a player. So yeah, yeah, very, very excited about the calmness and the composure that lots of people have been emphasizing about that player. I think those were some of the comments actually I saw from, from Mario Gomez was about his composure, just how calm, calm he is as a, as a player. I mean, one question I did have about him, because when I was looking at some of the profiles that uh, uh, your the, the TFO team put together in terms of you know, JJ Ball put that, obviously that, that video together around uh, is he really the right signing for Liverpool? 
pulled up all his stats and uh, a couple of things that would sort of stand out to you there when you look at those uh, his, his profile is one that he's obviously much more creative and attacking than you would necessarily think from uh, from a defensive midfielder as you were saying there yeah. he can dovetail as an eight can also dovetail as a, a center back which is probably why his aerial duels are so um, so high as well. He's, he's surprisingly good in the air for a player um, of his height as well, which is also incredibly valuable. Um, I think one thing that I think Liverpool fans will be thinking about immediately, again, because they're viewing it through the filter of previous seasons where we had to watch Fabinho really get about the pitch and he's not the he was he's never the quickest, is um, just how you, you mentioned him as combative. I, that's weird to say. Just how mobile a player is this guy? I mean, it, 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 one thing I've not seen mentioned about him is uh, acceleration or turn of pace. Again, you might not need it. There's a much more balanced midfield, right? But I, I did want to sort of understand um, that aspect to him. Is he, uh, to be combative, surely he must be able to get about the place. Oh, yeah. I mean, stamina wise, he's, uh, he's very relentless. He will. Uh, you know, he'll run himself into the ground for the cause. Um, so very mobile. Um, mm. I don't think I, I would have any physical concerns about him. He had um, a few injury difficulties before he got to Germany, but I, I think yeah. in the last two or three years, he's been pretty much ever-present. There's no suggestion that he's carrying any kind of um, issue or that he's in really good shape for a 30-year-old. Mm. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't be concerned about that. I, I, I think... Um, is he going to revolutionize? Is he going to lead you to the European Cup by himself? No. But is he a really valuable piece in a midfield? Is he a kind of a stable block in a situation where Sobosly and McAllister, they're going to have to develop some chemistry going forward? Can he kind of compensate for some of the kind of the positioning issues which are going to, which typically result anytime a team does that? You're replacing all three midfield positions. So it's going to look a bit wonky to start with. Is he someone that has the mobility to deal with that? Yes, absolutely. Um, he'll be, he'll be absolutely fine. Um, and also I think he'll be of great benefit to that defense too, just because you talked about. I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah. Like is ball winning ability? Yes. Quite good in the air. Uh, some of those statistics may be skewed by the fact that. Um, Stuttgart were a little bit counter-attacky um, mm-hmm. through a bit of last season before the change happened. Uh, um, so you know that you know play style causes a little bit of an imbalance sometimes, but certainly very capable in those areas, and he will add a layer of protection. Which I I I, I really liked Fabinho. I think Fabinho's drop-off was very sharp, personally, mm-hmm. and I also think that um, the deal that saw him sell Saudi Arabia was incredible one for Liverpool personally. Like oh, no, a, yeah. like no, no doubt. Extraordinary money for him. Um, you got the very best out of him for a few years and he sold him right at the top of his value. Mm. Um, but I, I think it's an improvement and yeah. um, I think the defenders will see it that way too. And certainly also, you know, that, that sort of dynamic you, that Liverpool used to have whereby when Alexander Arnold used to go forward, you, you know, some either a Henderson or a Fabinho used to drop into the pocket space to protect it. I think he'd be very good at that. It was beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of what you've imported back. Someone with the ability to do that, someone with the intelligence and the, the mobility to to replicate that. And um, you know, if, if Liverpool could get Trent Alexander Arnold playing that way, they'd be really far along towards mm. being battled where they were like as a, as a force different sort of team but still you know what a weapon yeah. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's also uh, another factor that I've, I've seen is sort of people sort of looking at his 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 progressive passes and, and, and things like that and saying, well, yes, you see, you know, but perhaps Fabinho had a bit more gloss in that sort of side of his game. But probably again, yeah, probably. Yeah. I feel like it misses the context of what we're talking about. If if Fabinho, if we signed Fabinho, a, a prime aged Fabinho. Uh, today, for example, when he came into the midfield alongside McAllister and Sobosh, like I'm pretty sure we, we would have got a couple more years out of Fabinho, to be honest, because again, it's it's, it's a lot less work than he's having to do solely on his own for a couple seasons anyway. And with Endo, I mean, I, I, I view it in a similar way in terms of uh, your point. If 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 Endo's inclusion in the side allows McAllister to go forward and Sobosh to go forward yeah. without you know, worrying about as much defensive work, and then Trent to get onto the ball and, you know, he can spray passes about, then you know, it doesn't really bother me that Endo's not going to be spraying 40, 50-yard passes, diagonals across the pitch, it's, as long as he's doing the um, the nuts and bolts of the of the defensive job, which it sounds like he relishes, to be honest, right? I think that's... Yeah, that's- completely. The, 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 the demand is from a conservative player. Now, you, you don't... Subasai's very aggressive, McAllister too. Like, you don't need... Uh, you don't need... Andrea Pirlo at the base of your midfield. Like, you, you just, you have the progressive passes, uh, you have the progressive distribution elsewhere. Like, mm. the ball progression is not going to be a problem. And, um, what you need is because actually Sobosly and McAllister will go forward, you, you, you're going to need someone that has a little less ambition. Um, and it just works, no? Absolutely, yeah. I think also one thing that you, you never see it on stats boards, but I think it's always something I, 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 I like in a, a defensive-minded uh, player, and it's something I was really happy to see from uh, Sobosla and uh, and um, Alexis last week um, against Chelsea, uh, especially with the the lack of a safety net in that game necessarily, in terms of a, a dedicated defensive midfielder. Uh, just the snide fouls, to be honest, just the, cle- <laughs> the, the clever tactical foul. I'm not going to be able to catch you. I'm going to take you out and I'm not going to get booked for it as well. And the one thing that I did notice about Endo, and again, there's differences in the leagues and you mentioned that, but uh, not a lot of yellow cards for a defensive midfielder whose main job is to, you know, like to win interceptions and break up play and presumably make those fouls. It suggests he's, he's good at that side of the game. Yeah. And he's also pretty aggressive. Okay. He's not a, uh, he's not shrinking violet. He's a really, um, really competitive footballer and so doubly impressive, right? He's got that kind of, we'll call it the Fernandinho gene, shall we? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Gene. yeah. Uh, he has that ability, yes. <laughs> good. That's good. Yeah. Because again, as I say, you never see it. You never see it on the boards, but uh, it, things like the, the, the low number of yellow cards. I mean, if, yeah, if, uh, sometimes when you see it, oh, but. My defensive midfielder is on. He's about to win the fair play award. Is that a good thing? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, but, I, I, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I want my 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 defensive midfielder sitting out every tenth game because of the suspension. I think that's 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 yeah. where proper defensive midfielder plays. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I think I mean just the the best tonic and sort of the, the the quickest settler for someone like him, especially amongst the fan base. Although I think most of the fan base who, who are going to these games are going to be incredibly supportive, obviously. Uh, but maybe for the best. Settler, Settler for the online fan base is going to be going to be when he when he does put in one of those huge tackles or whatever it might be to yeah. uh, endear himself. I'm sure I'm sure before long, given the, the the testimonials I've seen for this guy from from colleagues and coaches alike, that he there is going to be quite a few moments like that where he endears himself to fans. Uh, one thing you mentioned is you know how he's going to help the defense. 
Liverpool, I mean, they didn't do it against Chelsea, um, but I think obviously we saw towards the end of last season lining up in the WM and this new shape. And mm-hmm. uh, I, the one thing I have felt about that system is that it's one that is incredibly intensive for the defenders uh, in 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 that system, especially the wide centre backs. I guess if, you, if you're looking at the the role Kanate plays, it's incredibly demanding of someone like uh, like Kanate. I think he's, he's he's the only one we have with the physical characteristics to be able to do that role where Trent moves forward and he's sometimes asked to sort of charge out and and clean up. And then similarly on the on the left side, I think when we put in the back three. Or move to a back three in games. Yeah, it's, it's, it's become clear. Obviously, Robertson's is he's not a centre back, right? So I think he's, no. he's found that tough as well. It remains to be seen whether we're going to um, make a move to sign um, a younger centre back for for that role or whatever. But uh, in terms of Endo slotting in as a, a centre back on occasion, like to to help when Liverpool do move to that shape, um, it's something I'd seen that he'd he'd also done at Stuttgart. Was that correct? Or yeah, it has happened. Um, I don't, I wouldn't feel entirely confident okay. to describe him as a specialist in that position. I, I think it's something he can do in the sense that Fabinho could do it yeah. if you yeah. really needed him to, because I, I, I feel like it's a measure really of just footballing intelligence and positioning and kind of tactical acumen more than like, you know, I, I don't think he's, for instance, if, if a, if you're, if you're playing away to Stoke in 2007 and, <laughs> Roy Lapp is hurling long throws of your box. Do you want Endo playing centre half? Probably not. Um, but can he do a decent impression of one positioning wise and early? Yes, he's, he's okay there. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. 
or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, that, that, that's what I thought. And again, it, it was a similar case when Fabinho played back there. I think it was just the positioning and the, yeah. and the defensive nous alone that allowed him to, uh, play pretty well in that position. I, I, I do imagine it, it does look as though there's, um, there's, there's some links for potentially a younger center back to come in and help Robbo out with, with that role. But it, 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 in terms of what else we're perhaps missing with, with this signing, I mean, he looks like a very solid customer, great character, he's a great professional, was captain for his yeah. country and was captain for Stuttgart and relegation battles are a, a different kind of contest that, you know, players don't often face, um, if they're, you know, signing for teams in the top six, let's be honest, in terms of actually dealing with that, that kind of pressure. It's a very different kind of pressure to, to deal with. Is there anything else about his game that, um, we haven't really just discussed that you think warrants, um, warrants a mention? Not about his game. It's worth knowing that he's he's father of five children. Five? Is that um, okay? I don't know. Yeah. So, like, one of the questions I, I was talking to someone yesterday about this the interview, and, and um, you know, the question was kind of, well, if he's such a good player, why is he Stuttgart? Huh, and okay. I don't really know the answer to that. I know that obviously he played in Belgium. He came. He, so his pathway into Europe was um, from the J League into Belgium. Um, played with Daichi Kamada in Belgium, actually. Um, and then he came into the Bundesliga, actually joined when Stuttgart were in this Weider Bundesliga. Um, and, uh, no, sorry, the year after, I think, sorry. Um, and he, I'd imagine if you're the, if you're the father of five children, you've got a young family, big family, you're living in Stuttgart, which is a pretty nice place to live, I have to tell you. Uh, good weather, south of Germany, um, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty nice pace of life down there in, um, in, in, in the South. I imagine you would only leave if it was a really, really good opportunity because you're thinking about, uh, reschooling five children. Uh, you're uprooting from their friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't know very much about mm. his wife or his wife's work or anything like that, but, um, pretty big move for the Endo family, um, to relocate. Um, and so I'm guessing, but I, I imagine that's one of the reasons why he's someone that probably just settled in Stuttgart. And, um, I, I also think that one of the, one of the problems in Germany is that you have these very, very large clubs like Stuttgart who have struggled recently and who've kind of bounced around the bottom of the Bundesliga. But there isn't really a bigger club for, in Germany for him to have gone to. Like you wouldn't set, even though sort of, for instance, uh, Leverkusen would be much more successful. You wouldn't really characterize Leverkusen as being a bigger quote unquote club than Stuttgart. It's more successful recently. Yes, definitely. But you know, he's not going to go to Gladbach. He's not going to go to, uh, he, he wouldn't go to Union Berlin, for instance. Like these teams are doing better, but, it's not, a, it's not an upward move in the kind of, in the traditional, um, food chain sense. So, you know, Shukar's a big club and he's been a very important part of their, um, rejuvenation and their survival. So, um, I don't know. And I don't know what kind of offers he's had in, in, in those years, but it, it makes sense that he should still be there. But also it makes sense that it would take a Liverpool sized club to convince him to move. And, mm-hmm. um, Sebastian Hernes spoke about this in his press conference before the weekend. And, and that was very much the impression that he gave was that like, 
it, they're going to miss him terribly, but they couldn't possibly stand in the way of this opportunity for him. Um, which says a couple of things. Firstly, that, uh, it describes how they view him as a player, but also as a person. And when you say things like, we, he's got to have this chance, right? That's not something you hear from English clubs very often. Um, it's not really something you hear from German clubs very often, but it is quite telling when you do hear it. Yeah, I'd agree. I think uh, uh, lots has been made as well over the years of, uh, I think when you were, you were talking about Liverpool's transfer process, shall we say, or clarity being being in a better place than it is currently. And I think that's that's something hopefully will get addressed after after this window to sort of move from a probably more reactive approach to back to what it was. But one thing that was really important yeah. was always the character um, of, yeah. of the player, the kind of players that you were, you were bringing into that dressing room and you look around the dressing room. It's, it is a very particular group of people. It's it's captains of the country. It's model professionals. It's family, family men. I mean, uh, it's 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 people. You, you look around there. You don't see many massive egos. I mean, it's it's mm. fi- it's fine if you can have an ego when you're Mo Salah, I guess, because you sort of demonstrated it after a while. He's kind of earned it. Right? He's earned he's, it, right? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, I don't. There are no problem players at Liverpool. I mean. No, no. I, I, not that I know of anyway. I mean, it, it, it's sort of, you know, it seems like a really professional environment. You don't get kind of, you don't get the egos you get at, at other clubs necessarily. So, you know, it seems like a really good balance. Yeah, I think he, I think he fits with that as well, based on based on everything that's been said. And I think that was the tonic yesterday. Certainly, when the news broke, uh, lots of lots of derisory comments. Obviously, lots of um, uh, rival bot like accounts for for different clubs talking about how, yeah, like it was a yeah, like yeah, yeah, just just being very disrespectful about the move. Let's be fair, just being very disrespectful about it. But the quotes, the testimonials from coaches, from players, from journalists, from from those who followed the Bundesliga more more closely, like yourself. I think really did help to like alleviate some of that even like quite quickly after the news was breaking. So uh, hopefully that's not going to be persist too long and he can just get onto the pitch and actually uh, demonstrate what he's got. And I, I think that added aspect that you mentioned there of a player who you know, you'd only move for a move like this. You know, this is a massive opportunity for him to, to show what he can do at a stage like this. I think, I think it's uh, that well, it's fills me with excitement, you know? Potentially, like not in the Jordan Henderson sense, um, <laughs> but it is actually life changing. Yeah, right? no, Cause is... it, it's financially Stuttgart and Liverpool are in different mm. stratospheres as football clubs, of course. And obviously, you know, um, so you've got five children. Uh, pretty reasonable to, to 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 take those opportunities as they come, and um, you know, uh, it's you don't get the chance to join a club like Liverpool very often. Maybe once in a career, you can't really turn it down. Um, and so, yeah, and I, I feel like I'm mean, I just a bit bemused by, by the, the negativity. I feel like mm. it's, I'm, I'm very sensitive to Bundesliga snobbery, uh, naturally. It's where yeah. I live and it's the league that I watch the most of probably. And, um, and I just feel like it's, I don't think I've seen anything negative said by anybody who I know has definitely watched him play. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. or, yeah, I, I'm not saying people have to, you know, um, watch, um, 34 Bundesliga games a season to, to have an opinion, but like maybe watch one, right? <laughs> or watch him once or watch him play for Japan or whatever. Um, but I, I don't think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I haven't seen anybody that, uh, uh, would know what they're talking about disagreeing about this really. 
I, I think I think that's a very fair comment. I, I, just one last, um, just one last question then before we do do wrap up. Just because I, I never got your opinion on the player. Actually, I spoke to your colleague obviously about um, about Slavish Lai, uh, and um, yeah, been, been been very impressed by what I've seen so far. And mm. I think, I, like I said, just that that role that he is now occupying. I think he just he, he seems it's, it's it's like a glove. He really fits that role and. Uh, the 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 fitness level as well. I mean, after after one game, I was very impressed by how this guy just kept on going right yeah. until the last um, the last minute. Was 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 one of the few who looked like he was trying to um, engineer a winner. But uh, just your views on that um, on on Sobersly as a player as well, and just how you think he will um, he might do this season. Then yeah, I think we'll yeah we'll be we'll be close to wrapping up. Genius boy, he's. Mm. He's a terrific footballer. He, it's interesting you bring out that physicality, but then this is this is a product of how Leipzig play and how Red Bull football looks. Like yeah. it's very vertical, it's very break heavy. Uh, you've got to be able to sustain your acceleration into a counter, and naturally he has that. But I think in terms of someone that does things which. Um, from a from a spectator's point of view, make you feel like you've um, got your money's worth. That's kind of category I put him in he does wonderful things on a football pitch he's a very very elegant player very skillful um at Leipzig he was probably best as the kind of the right side of 10 in that 4-2-2-2 um and he was always you know slightly more comfortable coming from that side that being said he's just so dangerous in so many different ways he's very good ball strike he's very good dribbler uh he's very creative uh, he's he's a perfect signing i'm i'm deeply envious <laughs> that's what you wanted to hear right <laughs> i was i wasn't sure what you were gonna say but yeah I, yeah it's it's he yeah i i like the right. confidence i like the 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 work rate that goes with the confidence and um even i mean i i even enjoyed that there are quite a few occasions against chelsea where he was called upon to do some defensive work in his own box and uh, yeah. the, the footwork the composure um, the ability to re- like make the pass receive it and like, make the run so he could engineer a way out for us uh, was really impressed by that so I think um, yeah I'm, I'm just waiting for a screamer really that's that's that, 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 that's what it I'm hoping for long. Yeah. I promise you it won't be long <laughs> it's like the sun coming up in the morning Harry don't okay. worry <laughs> oh well that's yeah, I think that's that. that's a great place to um, to end it and I think um, and <laughs> talking about Endo talking about how he's going to come into a much more balanced midfield unit uh, and how yeah he's going to prove quite a lot of people wrong uh, and uh, yeah the point you made is that everyone who's watched him enough uh, or knows enough about his game is yeah couldn't speak more highly of him so I think that's been great to get your your insight on him as a player, Seb, and also just a, him as a him as a character off the pitch as well. So really appreciate the you coming on and um, yeah, sharing your opinion with us. Any time, Harry. It's always a pleasure. And yeah, uh, for, for all those who are listening in to me uh, on this transfer pod, you know I don't do very many transfer pods. This is uh, a deviation for me, but um, yeah, as, uh, as as and when Liverpool sign, if, if they do sign any more players, I'll I'll, uh, I'll attempt to get some. And more pods covering them and yeah some of the more interesting aspects of the signings and and, and them as players and figures uh back here for you but yeah between now and then i think it's a pod live previewing the the bournemouth game tomorrow which yeah should, should be an interesting one given their new coach and their new philosophy as well so do check that out uh but aside from that yeah you'll hear me ahead of the the newcastle game next week so do tune in for another episode of rivalry con before that we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel 
so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.